Welcome to Burma, a new series on Global Chef Radio, where over the next five or six weeks, Kin Mio Mint is going to tell us about the rich culture and history of this wonderful country. from Chewett Hill across the state and around the world. And this, today I have with me my special guest, Kin. Uh, Kin is from Burma. So welcome, Kin, and please tell me a bit about yourself. Thank you, Tim. Yes, I'm from Burma. I call myself Burmese, but of course there's a lot of mixed blood in me. So I can say I'm Burmese, Mon, Shan, and Chinese. And uh, I have been in Australia for over 31 years. I uh, I was uh, originally from Maulmain and I was a tutor at Institute of Economics in Economics Department, but we left in 79 and I was in Malaysia for four years, Papua New Guinea for six years, and then decided to come to Australia. and. It was a pleasure living in Australia. We feel very safe and very grateful to Australia for letting us come over. Thank you. Thank you. And can I say that it sounds like your your own little multicultural community all in yourself. With <laughs> <laughs> um, so, please tell me now a little bit about Burma and what it means to you and its sort of early history, I guess. Yes, Burma, we call we still call it Burma, but uh, of course, official name for the country is now Myanmar. I still call it Burma because uh, the military government changed it without going through referendum in English to Myanmar on 18th of June, 89. So Burma, as I would say, it's a big country, the 10th largest in Asia, and uh, it covers uh, over 676,000 square kilometers. And we have a long coastline, over almost 2,000 kilometers of coastline, and of course, beautiful beaches and all, but 
part of that their ARD you know uh, uh, ARD region that's when the ARD river comes into the Bang, Bay of Bengal, there it is uh, a bit muddy, but then because it's fertile soil, a lot of paddy fields are there. Burma used to be known as the rice bowl of the world, and but now the situation has completely changed. Yeah, and in Burma we have three big river systems. The first one, as I was saying, it's Irrawaddy. And the second one, Selwyn River. The Selwyn River came through from the top of Burma, the northernmost out of Burma. From China, it snakes through uh, China and then came through Shan State and then ca came out of Malmin, that's my hometown, into the Indian Ocean. Yeah. And the third one was Sit-Down uh, sit River, which is a lot shorter than those big rivers, but still it's a very big, mighty river. Okay? Excellent. So we now have a bit of a picture of part of the geography of the country. Um, we'll delve into that a little bit more later. But tell me a bit about the early history and up yeah. until, say, the yes. Burma, uh, actually the people, early history, since the uh, 11th century, people from Tibet coming down from the north, because our northern tip was part of the Himalaya um, ranges, and the Tibetan people came down, and then of course Chinese, and for the, from the eastern part, it's, we call them Mung Khmer, but it's Khmer, that's Cambodian people coming in. And so that's how the early Burmese were formed. We used to call them uh, Pew, The, Khmer, and all that. But later, they all became Burma, Burmese people, Burma people. And of course, there are a lot of hill, hill tribes. When we call it hill, because we were used to calling it hills, actually they are very high mountain ranges, very long and high, and they are uh, people from the hills like Chin, Kachin, but whereas Shan, we call it Shan Plateau because the whole area is uh, over 2,000 uh, kilometers, uh, yes, uh, 2,000 meter high, and it's the same high plateau here. So flat? Not really flat, but a high plateau, and then of course slightly flat, and a bit of hilly area, plateaus and all here. Okay. So all these different um, tribes, for want of a better word, have moved into Burma over the years. And then of course came the, the big white tribe from England, Yes. Um, so tell me a little bit about colonization. The uh, b before that, you know, before the British came over, we have small kingdoms in in Burma. I uh, say like around eight hundred BC, eight hundred AD, we have a lot of small. Uh, even in Shan State, we have Shan Sobwa. It's like chiefs for different tribes within Shan. And in Burma proper too, we have Bagan, we have Inwa, Taungu, Miao Miao, all these uh, city-states, they have their own kings. 
and all. But uh, when the Westerners came over, I would say the uh, a few first ones were from Portugal, and uh, De Brito was really famous because he befriended a king near Rangoon, across from Rangoon, and he had a lot of influence. But uh, with him came the drunkenness, and the you know the king became intoxicated and addicted and all that. And De Brito was impaled when the Burmese kings invaded that little kingdom. But after that, the, the British, after coming through India, they tried to conquer the lower part of Burma first. And uh, they tried to negotiate with the last Burmese king, King Thibaw at that time, to come up. At that time, he was uh, stationed, his palace was in Mandalay. They tried to negotiate, but the king, he was young and uh, he's not really respected by most Burmese because he's young and he was influenced by mother-in-law and the wife and uh, sort of useless, my my personal opinion anyway. So there were, he refused to negotiate with the British. He thought he's very powerful and all that. So the British took him away in 1986 and took him to India, and they brought the Indian king from New Delhi, at that time Old Delhi, of course. Uh, they brought that king to Rangoon, and that way they made sure that there would be no insurrection without having the Burmese king in Burma, yes. So he had a, a, a terrible life, in, even though he was given a big house and some servants and all. He got four daughters, and you know, they were young at that time, and a few had stayed behind and got married to Indian men and all that. So his life's history is not good, yeah. Okay. He died there. Okay. So. Britain would ruled Burma for a number of years, and then ultimately Burma regained its independence. Yes. Is there a little bit of a story around that part of? Yeah, British were ruled for almost a hundred years. It's a long time if you look at some people, Burmese people's generation went through it. And uh, of course, uh, they brought the modern systems for train, railway lines, and roads, and all that. And uh, people said that that's only to exploit the natural resources of Burma. But I must say, when we were young, we were sort of anti-British because, you know, uh, we have gained independence recently. I was born soon after. Uh, Independence. We got independent. We gained independence in 1948, January 4th of January. But looking back, at least they left behind the administrative systems properly, law and order. You know, to go through, like here in Australia, the system of <coughs> having a proper judicial system, albeit uh, it could be very harsh for some Burmese people at that time. But like uh, forestry, 
We got a lot of hard work, and TIG especially, they are very interested in it. So all these uh, TIG cultivation and all, <coughs> they have forest department, forest uh, conservation department, which was very strict. They maintained the forest there. So it was good in a sense, unlike now, the whole mountains were uh, taken bare of the trees and even the roots were taken to China and the ground and all that. Some whole mountains had disappeared. We went to actually to Port Arthur when we visited Tasmania and we saw in the Port Arthur Museum the, the ship that brought convicts and administrators to Australia was built with Burmese teak. The teak was really good, yeah. Now, Kin, I know that you have a particular relationship with the piece of music that we're about to play and its <coughs> sort of post-independence uh, influence on Burma. So would you like to just tell us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, during British rules, of course, you know, uh, there are still uh, patriotic Burmese and all that would be singing and writing poetry and all that. But uh, after independence, we have radio station, sing, you know, uh, playing Burmese music and all. So this one, uh, a man called Ko Anji, he's... Uh, He's from Mimio, but he, he started playing music and people really liked it. It sounded a bit like the, the musical instrument he used would be piano and guitar and all that. So it's like a British carry on from, you know, British system and all music. But this one, he's, he sang it very playfully about himself. He was young at that time that he, he described himself as a youthful, but uh, strong and a bit, uh, you know, uh, he called himself, you know, very handsome. And he's thinking about a Burmese fair lady who's really good. And as soon as he saw her, he fell in love with her, that sort of play of that music, yeah. Great. Yeah. 
It's very rich in natural resources. We have jade, gemstones like rubies and, uh, and uh, sapphires and all that, and also oil, natural gas, and other mineral resources, especially China relies on our rare earth that they've been trying to, they've been getting it solely from Burma. All of the rare earth, they call it. That, that goes to China. And of course, uh, you know, the uh, jade as well. In Kachin State, we have a very big jade mine, and most of that are going to China because, as you would know, China, Chinese loves jade. When we visited uh, Yunnan, that's uh, bordering China, six years ago, we uh, we were taken around by the tourist guide, and she told us that uh, most people in Yunnan, they don't save money in the bank, they buy jade from Burma, and it could go up to tens of uh, thousands of uh, value for a small jade stone, depending on the quality. So, And we also were told that Burma has the highest renewable energy potential in Asia compared to other countries in Mekong re region, that's Laos and even China, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, because Mekong River would sneak through that. And not only the natural resources, the, 
The soil in Burma is so good. When we were young, people talk about, uh, you know, how the British describe Burma as very rich in natural resources, even the ground, because whatever we were told that whatever you take a branch, cut a branch and put it in the ground, or uh, throw a seed on the ground, and uh, very healthy trees will grow and all that. And of course, later we found that that's true, especially in Australia, we saw that most of the ground is filled with sand, and we have to use a lot of fertilizers and there. There was no need for that. It was really rich in mineral resources and the river systems, the rain we get, it's actually for coastal area, the rainfall, annual rainfall is 2,500 millimeter per year, which is a lot. And even in dry zone, which is, we call it part of Upper Burma, which it could be very dry in summer and autumn and all that, and at least they would get 1,000 millimeter each year. So, you know, the rivers, the rivers and the rains and all that, the crops grow very well, and we are very much self-sufficient, I would say, yeah. Okay. So, I guess with all that natural resources and good good farming properties and, and so forth, that was probably one of the reasons why the various tribes migrated to Burma back in the early part of its history. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. Do you want to just tell me a little bit about the different tribes and their... Yes. Uh, we tend to use the word people moved to where the stream, the water is clear and then where the grass is greener. So, you know, uh, that's why all these people from Tibet, from Assam in India, Chinese, Mon, Khmer people moving in. Because uh, at the start, of course, in those days, they would cultivate, they grow rice, and cultivate it, and they grow other things in drylands, uh, onions, garlic, sesame seed, peanuts, all of that, and pulses and beans. Of course, we are not talking about different uh, varieties of vegetables there, you know. They could grow, they come down, and they live, uh, they live and they're and that was their ancestors, and people thrive later with trading and all here. Okay. And from those uh, people coming down, later we have tribes or ethnic groups, we could say. We have the Burma, we call it, its main Burmese people. And from the northernmost, Kachin, Chin, they are hill tribes, and Shan, and we have Kaya. Kaya is also called Karani, and Karen tribes, and at the west, uh, it's Rakhine, Rakhine people, and Moon. Uh, that's the main tribes. And of course, within the, each ethnic groups, there are very various uh, groups again. Like Chin, they would say they have 135 types of Chin. Some would say 65. So hard to say. In Shan State, we have like Badown and Wa and, you know, all these in the different tribes again, and slight variation of languages, yeah. Okay. 
So we've got a variety of tribes with a variety of languages. Do we also have a variety of religions? Oh yes, uh, uh, the Burmese would identify themselves, majority of them, as Buddhists. <coughs> so at the moment, uh, during the last census count, it was 88% would identify themselves as Buddhists and 6% are Christians, 4.3% call themselves uh, Islamic, and another 1.6% is, we call it others, because others would include Hinduism or some Baha'i, or some of them still, you know, uh, praying to the spirits. When I say, you know, uh, praying to the spirits, it's more like uh, people, majority of Burmese people, I would say even though we call ourselves uh, Buddhist or Christian or Islam or Hindi, Hindu, but we, some of us, uh, we still have a small portion of believing in spirits because it's, when we were growing up, we have uh, been having extended families, you know, nighttime stories and all that would involve about spirits and ghosts and all that. So some of us still sort of believe in them. And uh, it's important uh, for some people to, uh, to keep a little small altar for different spirits. In Burmese world, there's uh, we have 37 spirits that people pray to or to show respect to. Because all these spirits, if you look back, it's from the kingdom, in very early kingdoms, when somebody was killed off, maybe, uh, you know, afterward the king would feel very remorseful about killing his favorite soldiers or somebody they would be announced that, oh, this person has become spirit so-and-so, like that. And people were supposed to bring food and all that, just like praying to the dead, and they live on. And they live on. So there is a, one particular spirit called Kojijo. He's, he's usually drunk most of the time. So nowadays when people pray to him, they would bring like a whiskey bottle in front of his uh, statues and keep it there. And then the, he, some people believe that he could wish, he could grant their wishes. If it's a trader wanting to do something, then they would pray to that and all, you know. So there are superstitions and all that. It, it's evolved with, within our culture, so we still show uh, respect to them. And if you look at a Pagan, if uh, there are a lot of tourists going to Pagan, there's a gate called Taraba Gate going into Pagan. It's uh, two pillars, and on each side is a brother and sister statue there, because uh, the brother was very strong at that time. He was a uh, ironsmith. And of course, since young, he was beating up iron and in the fire and also he got very strong muscles. And people are afraid of him. 
His younger sister was very beautiful, so the Bagan king took him as one of the wives or one of the queens. But then the king was still afraid of this uh, person, so he tried to arrest him and asked the sister to bring him for dinner or for a meal, and he was arrested and he was tied uh, tied to a uh, fringy benny tree. Uh. Yeah, because in Burma, I remember, the soil is so good, so the tree grows very big. Unlike here, they are small. Over there, it's a big tree. So he was tied to that tree and burned alive. So when the sister found out that his her brother has been burned alive, she was so so sad, and she felt that it's she felt so guilty. She went there and she jumped into the fire, and both of them died. But then, of course, the king felt so bad about them, and then they were named as spirit, the sister, the brother and sister spirits, and they are. Uh, each year there would be festivals to go and pray to them and all that. So it's sad. Most of them are killed by mm. the king. Yeah. Very sad story. Maybe we should perhaps have a little bit of music now to just brighten yes, up a little Yes, yes, yeah. The second music I've chosen is from Mama E. She's a very famous singer in Burma and now she's living in the States. And uh, She's, she sings with a traditional musical instrument, so I thought this would be different to the first song. So, And the Burmese like to sing about their, uh, their hometown or the flowers or the, you know, a lot of things. So this one was about comparing herself to a flower. Yeah, we call it kaye. Kaye is the small flowers, five uh, white flowers uh, and then they would drop and people would put in a uh, string to wear it uh, on their head or around their neck and she's comparing herself to the Kaye flower whereas she's saying her lover wasn't appreciating that flower but pining for Badaut Badaut is also uh, Badaut flowers are yellow flowers and it flowers once a year during the Burmese New Year time. So here she's saying that, you know, the the lover who's not caring enough for Kaye flower, but pining for Badaud. Okay, so now we'll just... Chitty 
Thank you. Thanks, Tim.